for joining us again for another episode of the Servant Leader Coaches Bible Study. I'm your host, Coach Chelsea, and I'm super excited about this conversation. I try not to be biased, but just in the midst of being a servant leader, we have an amazing servant leader on today. Uh, Coach Joni Taylor, the head women's basketball coach at the University of Georgia. And if you've been paying attention in the sports world and not living under a rock, it's been a lot of things going on in her world. So I'm not going to prolong the time. We're going to go ahead and pass the torch to her just to say hello to our listeners. And then we're going to get this conversation started. We thank you for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Such So excited. I woke up excited about this today. Anytime that I can share um, and also learn um, about God and how to continue to be a servant leader and how to stretch my faith and 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 grow the gospel it gets me excited so i'm ready to have the conversation with this wonderful group of people for sure people hear me talk all the time and you know that's kind of like the theme of the coaches bible study i always say we're working to normalize coaches of faith and one of the things that you know is coaches athletes leaders when you hear them succeed you hear him say first give an honor to god but one of the things that i love about leaders and coaches is understanding that humility right that humility of I have this position and I appreciate this position, but I don't want to forget who positioned me there. I want to talk a little bit with you about your faith journey. You know, some people started when we were little, some people started later in life. What was your faith journey like and how does that help you in your position today? Um, my faith started a long time ago. It has obviously grown and, and gone through death several phases, but I grew up in the church, um, grew up in the Methodist church. And so um, got baptized, went through confirmation at a very young age. And for, for me in the church that I went to, it was, it was faith, like your faith in your works, you know, that was really stressed in the black Methodist church, like your works, your works, your faith, your works. And so we were really big on works and actions. And that was, you know, a, a huge part of, um, what got you to heaven, faith and works, faith and works. And then when I went to college, um, I actually started learning the Bible. I'm not going to say that I wasn't taught the Bible, but it was again, like how I process what I learned growing up was my faith and my good works. Right. So I was always trying to do community service. I was always, but I didn't really know the Bible. And, and then I learned that to know God, you have to know the Bible, right. And to have a relationship with him. And, and fortunately for me, my faith grew in college. Um, we play on Sundays in the SEC. So I haven't been to church in a really, really long time on a Sunday from November to April. And then you get into the recruiting calendar that is May, June, July and camps. And so I probably walk into a church three times a year. It's very difficult for me to actually get into church. And so when I got to college, I had to figure out how to, um, fortunately we had, I had a, a coach in Rick Moody who was a deacon at his church. And so he provided a team Bible study and he provided um, an opportunity for us to go to church on Wednesdays at times and different things, but I had to be really creative at an early age on where I got filled and how I got spiritually filled. And at the time I looked at that as a disadvantage, but it has really helped me, Chelsea, learn how to seek God at a young age, because again, I could not walk into church and just get it on a Sunday for a couple of hours and be done for the week. I had to spiritually grow during the week because I wasn't able to go to church. Um, so Bible studies, I leaned really heavily on Bible studies. I joined a small group, a college Bible, you know, small group when I was in college. And once I started learning the Bible and learning scripture and learning what God had to say about my life and the blessings and the things that he already spoken. And, and then my faith was pretty grounded by the time I left the university of Alabama and got into college coaching. And then my faith was probably pretty steady at that point on. I've always been surrounded by, you know, faith-filled people. My, my mom is a praying mom. My dad's a, a praying man. My grandmother, my granny, I'm, I'm the, the blessing of their prayers. Um, and then I'll jump to 2014. Ron Sanchez, who is now the head coach at UNC Charlotte, he was an assistant coach at Virginia at the time. Um, we had gotten to know each other from Villa Seven. It's a, a program that Nike put on and some symposiums we had been at, at assist, as assistant coaches. And he one day gave me a, a copy of The Circle Maker by Mark Matterson. And that book changed my life. It, it, it challenged me um, to raise my faith to a higher level in terms of how I pray and what I actually prayed for and what I believed in. Um, I started, you know, 
actually walking circles around the things that I wanted and drawing circles, which is what it tells you to do in the circle maker. And I tell everybody that is the reason why I'm the head coach at the University of Georgia is because I read the circle maker the year before Coach Landers retired and I got that job. And that entire year, I prayed circles around our gym, not to be the head coach, but just praying for our team, you know, praying for our team and praying for Coach Landers and asking, you know, praying Ephesians 3.20 blessings. Um, And when Coach Landers retired in March, there was no stress for me, but it was only because of the circle maker. It was because I prayed, I asked God for it, and I left it alone. You know, and one of the things that was so powerful for me in the circle maker was once you've prayed for it, then start praising him for it. You don't have to continue to pray the same prayer once you've he's heard you. So then you go from Lord, I'm praying for to Lord, I thank you for, you know, and and so my my prayer changed in terms of how I went to God. And the other thing that um, I stopped doing was asking God for things that I could do myself, because then how do you know that God did it? You know, and so one of the things that I've learned is. God wants you to pray bold prayers. He wants you to pray for things that only he can deliver so that when he does it, you know that it was him and not you. You take yourself out of it. So I try not to pray for things that you could look and say, oh, well, I did that. I asked for, which is, you know, sometimes people say crazy prayers, but I asked for crazy prayers. And that way I know that it was God. Um, I've also been able to get to a place where I don't believe in coincidence anymore. You know, there's some some crazy stories I have of like simple stuff, like it is pouring down raining, has been raining like forever, pouring down raining and my hair is down and I don't want to get my hair wet and I don't have an umbrella. And I literally will say, Lord, I need you to make it stop raining for me to walk into this grocery store, like just stop the rain for about 10 seconds and then let me get in the store. And I'm telling you that has happened. I have like said out loud, all right, Lord, like let it, let it get to a drizzle so I can just run into the store and then you can let the rain come back down. And when I have pulled into the parking lot and put the car in park, the rain has stopped. That gives me chills. And, you know, six, seven years ago, I would have said that was coincidence. That's God showing me that he can do small things and big things. A lot of people don't know this. My staff knows it. My team knows it. My family knows it. But when I got pregnant with my second child, Drew, when I went to the doctor for the first appointment, the doctor told me that I was 100% going to have a miscarriage um, because there was a very low heartbeat. And, um, you know, I was 37, 30, no, 38 years old at the time. I was going to be 39. No, I was 39. I was 39 when I carried her. I turned 40 a week after I had Drew. And, you know, just the heartbeat was really low for the stage I was in in the pregnancy. And I was actually going on the road recruiting when um, I got this news. And so I gave it to God. I called my husband who was with the Atlanta Dream. So he was actually in Atlanta and I had to call him over the phone and tell him that, you know, we were possibly going to miscarry. And I said, but listen, like God is so good. He's given us so much favor. We've got to take the the good and the bad and process it the right way and praise him anyway. And I told him, I said, it's like, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, like, Lord, please deliver me from the fiery furnace. But even if you don't, I'm going to praise you anyway. And let me tell you, I got on a plane that day headed to Birmingham, Alabama. I'm a big fan of Joel Olstein. I listened to him in the car as well as Michael Todd from Transformation Church, as well as Stephen Furyk from Elevation Church in Charlotte. Those are my three go-to people. But I was listening to, <clears throat> I listened to Joel Olstein a lot in the car. And when we landed in Birmingham, I went to the rental car counter that same day. And the guy said, do you want to upgrade for XM radio? And I was like, no, I'm fine. I get into the rental car and somehow I had it anyway. So I was like, oh, okay, I get it anyway. I go to channel 128, listen to Joel Osteen, and guess what he's preaching about? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The same exact thing that I told my husband that morning, right? That's God. And and, and so I've learned to, to see God when he shows up and gives me signs. The other thing that's really chilling about that story is I told Darius, I said, you know, I'm, I'm not claiming a miscarriage. We're going to have this baby. Um, I'm not claiming that I'm going to pray and, and we're going to, we're going to have this baby. I said, but listen to what God does on this recruiting trail. I'm going to Birmingham, which where two of my, my teammates live and in Tuscaloosa, 45 minutes away, my best friend and my next closest sister live. So if something happens in Birmingham, I'm covered. I'm going to leave Birmingham and go to Louisville, Kentucky for a tournament 
And my other really close friend that was in my wedding lives 15 minutes away from Louisville. So if something happens to me in Louisville, I'm covered and I'm going to leave Louisville and fly to Chicago. And my other teammate and now doctor, family medicine doctor lives in Chicago. So if something happens to me in Chicago, I'm covered. So every place I was going recruiting, I had somebody right there who that if something that if something did happen, um, I was going to be covered in the hands of people who were going to take care of me and, and provide for me. And obviously, fast forward, I did not have a miscarriage. I got off the road and went back to the doctor and he kept trying to figure out like I must have. He said I must have counted the weeks wrong. There's a perfect heartbeat. And I said, no, that's just God. And so I just started crying. And he said, wait a minute, let me get this straight. He said. A week and a half ago, I walk in here and tell you that you're going to have a miscarriage and you don't flinch. And two weeks later, I tell you that everything is fine and you're, you're crying tears. I said, because that's God. And so where my faith has grown is I'm extremely, extremely connected to the Bible and what the scripture says. And so when things happen, I can, I can, I can call on what the scripture that I need to help me get to, the, to where I need to be mentally. And the other thing that I have done is I've been able to see when God has shown up to give me signs that the rain that was, that was God, me telling Darius, like, we're going to praise him. Even if he doesn't deliver us from the fiery furnace we're, and we're going to praise him through it. And then to turn on the radio. And that's what Joel Osteen is preaching about. That's God. Um, I can tell you another story really quickly, and then I'm going to shut up and let you ask me a question. Cause I can just get to going. I'm I don't loving know it. what year this is, but you guys can look it up. We, we do a friendly NCAA tournament bracket in our office. Obviously you can't bet on it, but we do a friendly, just no money tournament in our office. And I'm always the last one to turn it in because from the time the bracket is announced, I'm trying to figure out scouting stuff and who we're playing. And so I haven't had time to fill out the bracket. And so I'm always the last one they're waiting on to get it turned in. And this particular year, <clears throat> um, we get to two teams and one of them, is um, um, CY at Florida State, who's a really good friend of mine. And I haven't really kept up with them. I'm not sure who they're playing. I'm not sure where they are in the tournament. And I, and I forget who they're playing against, but it's a really, really tough team. And I'm like, oh, God, I don't know who I'm supposed to pick. And CY calls my phone. And he's like, hey, I just want to congratulate you guys on hosting the tournament at home this year. We've been following you guys, da, 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 da. So after I hang up the phone with him, I check I checked Florida State. I'm like, that's a sign. I didn't know what I was supposed to do, but I just got, you know, I just figured it out because he just called me. Johnny Jones. Johnny Jones was an assistant coach at Alabama when I was a player there. He was also the head coach of North Texas and LSU. And at the time, he was an assistant coach at Nevada. And Nevada was in the tournament and they were playing somebody else that was really, really tough. I don't know who it was. And I don't know who to pick between Nevada and somebody else. And that same day, Johnny Jones calls my phone, y'all. He's like, hey, I just want to congratulate you on the tournament. You guys hosting it at home this year. I'm so happy for you. I'm so proud of you, blah, 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 blah. So I hang up the phone and I check Nevada and they won both of those games. And so people can say that's a coincidence, but for me not to know who I'm picking and those two people call my phone the same day, that's God. So I've learned to look for signs. I've learned to look for him in the big things and the small things and recognize him and praise him when he, when he gives me those signs. That's amazing. We are definitely uh, being very active down here in the chat with your words because we definitely can meet you where you are. And, you know, it's just amazing when you understand faith. And you said something in the beginning, you said faith and works, they go hand in hand. But then you also said you can't know God without knowing the word. And you can tell how your faith grew once you knew and understood the word and that you were able to speak life over yourself in the midst of the situations and so I was sitting over here smiling and nodding because I understand that and I you know my mom just put in the chat God will give you confirmation and yeah. just like you said he does not dwell in coincidences and when you know his word and you know the power of his word you understand that you can speak boldly in those things which is what you've done I think that's amazing yeah absolutely it gives me chills it gives me chills and I, I tell it to our team all the time because I feel like that's the other thing once he's done it you have to praise him for it and you have to tell somebody else so they can then do the same thing. And so I, I, that day with the bracket, I walked into our team huddle before practice and I shared that story with the team on our team retreat. Um, before I, you know, before our season started, I told our team the story of Drew and what the doctor said and what ended up happening I, because I believe you have to, to share those stories with, with people so they can, you know, have the same faith and have the same belief and start doing the same things and to praise God for it and give him the, the credit he deserves. 
I, for sure. And one of the things that you even said before that, you said when you pray to God for it, go ahead and praise him for it. You know, I've listened to a lot of the same podcasts and, you know, to the same ministers that you do. Christine Kane is another one of my favorites. And she always says impossible is where God starts. Yes. Goals is what God does. And, and when you said we have to trust ourselves and stop bugging God and praying for God for the things we can do ourselves. Why? Because impossible is where he starts. He does things that you have no question that it was him. You just know when it shows up, it was nobody but him. And so you, you're hitting things dead on the money. And I'm going to give you another one. Look up Jeremy Foster from Hope City Church, if you have not. Jeremy Foster, Hope City Church. He puts, if you like Stephen Furtick, you will love him too. So just check Perfect. that one out. Um, write it you know, down right now. Hold on before we move on. Let me write that down. And while you're doing that, uh, Coach CY, I text him. I said, uh, I'm talking to you right now. <laughs> so he says hello to you as well. I'm down here in Tallahassee. So uh, we definitely had Coach CY on as well. He is a part of the servant leader family. Um, so it, it's amazing when you watch those things come for, full circle. Yeah. The rest of y'all that's listening too, take him down. Jeremy Foster and Christine Kane. Uh, if you're a podcast listener or you're looking for things to like brush and sharpen your iron and get more into the word each day, I'm telling you, they will set you on fire to start your work day. Okay. I love Got it. it. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I only have a few more only because I know here's some folk that's going to have some questions or comments for you today. But I, did, I love the fact when you have coaches who uh, we teach our student athletes to be more than just athletes, right? To be students, to be servants. This is a servant leader. One of the things I love about you is you're so involved, right? And so, of course, in doing my homework of you, um, I realized that you actually started a group in Athens called Beyond Basketball. I love that, right? Because that is the same thing that I try to teach young people that we have to be more than that. We have Jonathan Jones on here who has a podcast called Beyond the Ball. So could you talk to us a little bit about Beyond Basketball? How did that start it? And just talk to us a little bit about those works there. So it is a space. I've always wanted a space for women to come together and recharge their battery, have someone speak life into them, you know, give a praise report on women. Women are so much to so many. We're mothers, we're daughters, we're wives, we're stay-at-home moms, we're career women. We just carry so much. And who is recharging our battery? Who is speaking life into us so we can go back into the world and be all those things that I just said? And so it is something I've always wanted to do. As an assistant coach, I did not think I had a space to do that um, or the time or just the platform, but it was always something I had in my back pocket. And so when I got the job at Georgia, it was one of the first things I did because I already had it written out what I wanted it to look back, look like and the vision for it. And so um, with the blessing of Carla Williams, who hired me, we started Beyond Basketball. It is a it is a program. It is a space for women to come once a month over breakfast and have somebody speak life into them. Um, we go from eight to nine over Zoom this year. We've gone from nine to 10 because we are meeting over a Zoom platform. And let me tell you, I was listening before we got on about Derek talking about COVID and the blessings of COVID us having beyond basketball over zoom this year has allowed so many more people who couldn't drive to Athens physically to take part in it. And so it's been a blessing for us to be able to do it over zoom this year and have more people from out of this, you know, outside the city of Athens be connected. And also for us to really get some dynamic speakers in too, because it's a lot easier to jump on a zoom call for an hour, than get on a plane and then get here and take a day to, to do it. But from about I would say from the first 15 minutes, 10 minutes, um, when we were physically meeting, it was the ladies came in, they had breakfast and they just networked with each other. And then around 8.15, I would come up and I would kind of give an update on our team and what we had going on because a lot of our members of Beyond Basketball are season ticket holders. They are Fast Break Club members. So I'll give them a quick inside scoop of the week, the month, what was going on. And then um, either myself or one of our young ladies on our team, our players would introduce the speaker. And it is ranged from inspirational, motivational, educational. Um, we just have someone come and speak for about 20 minutes. We've had someone come speak about Generation X, Generation Z. We've had somebody come just give a motivational speech about their life. We've had, um, we've highlighted small business um, in Athens in the Atlanta area. We, last year, you know, in the month of February, we actually had someone, a panel, we put a panel together about COVID. And that was before COVID really hit in March. And how spot on was that, that a panel 
and the CDC being right there in Atlanta, we were able to have somebody from the CDC come down and be on a panel with the local medical staff here in Athens and talk about COVID and just give us some insight. And then a month later, the world shut down. So it's just a space for us to come and recharge. After that, we have um, announcements from the community because we all get caught up in our little bubble that we're in. I know for me, the, the Georgia bubble, you know, it's the bubble I'm in. And then outside of that, it's the Delta bubble or the link bubble or what, you know, but just to be able to um, find out what's going on in the greater Athens, Oconee County area. Um, so we give announcements. We allow people to, to stand up and give announcements about things that they have going on. And it has been great to see this group champion um, some of those announcements or things that are going on in the community. We've taken on all types of community service projects and provided for different um, groups and areas and people because of some of the announcements that are made in those last 10 minutes. And so we've always, we've left in tears. We've left um, with big smiles on our faces. We've left with, um, on a mission to go provide and to serve and to uplift. And it's a great space. And so we are going on year six of Beyond Basketball. The next phase of that is to take women in that room because you've got retired women, the mayor, um, the judges are in that room, lawyers, doctors. And so we are going, we wanted to get Beyond Basketball fully grounded and going. And now that we are solid on that platform, um, our next step is to take women from that room and partner them with our young ladies and our team to start, and to start a mentor a mentor group. I think that's awesome. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and give you your shout out because my mom, she said, I hear you, my sister in the Delta Bowl. So my mom <laughs> and myself are also your sororities of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. So that's why it does not surprise me that your hands are in, the first thing you said was faith and works. They go hand in hand. So that does not surprise me as we know that service is what we do. You know, so just shout out to you for that and shout out to all our sororities of Delta Sigma Theta who are listening. Uh, we appreciate you. You know, Coach, I'm going to say this one and then I'm going to open the floor to our other coaches and leaders that are on here because I know they have something for you. But it's just amazing. I was telling somebody, it's amazing how, you know, we actually had been in two on a two-month span of trying to book you, right? But God does things in his appointed time. And that is the craziest part. He does his things in his appointed time. You're sitting here, just had a birthday, right? It's Women's History Month. Today is International Women's Day. And then yesterday, you make some profound history. And I know you're humble, but I, I'm sorry. We're going to talk about this today because <laughs> I'm on the edge of my bed, about to fall off because it's the magnified situation that we're watching, that we are watching two Black women stand and make history, right? In the SEC championship, two Black head coaches that are ready to go back to bat for this championship in a power five conference that has never happened before. So not only are we watching the game, not only are we sitting here, and if you were like me, it was hard because it's like, I love you both and I don't know what to cheer for, but it's you're sitting here watching history. And in 2020, we've definitely had enough history to be watching, but to sit there and watch that moment. And there was a moment where you all embraced. And I promise you, I was like, I'm not even a choir, but I almost lost it because 20, 30 years from now, when I'm looking at my child and when I pay attention to my students, I'm like, this is what you need to see. These things do happen. Can you just talk about the way of that moment, right? You know, as you approach this coaching career, I don't even know if you saw that. I was reading an article just about, you talked about your roots and your grandparents and just how magnified the situation was because you know from whence you've come. Talk to us about that moment. Yeah, so, you know, the last week, I don't know if I fully processed all that you have said. It's been a heavy, not heavy in a bad way, but just an emotionally charged week. And I'm someone who doesn't, um, like to have the spotlight on me. So I, I am next step, next step, next, next thing. To, and that's my way of diffusing any, any attention that might come on me. And it's also just how I, I stay present. Right. And so I honestly, um, have not processed all of it and the weight of it and what it means. So I'm going to probably ramble a little bit here. So you guys just bear with me, um, to give some background. I'm from Mississippi. I'm from Meridian, Mississippi. My mom was born and raised in Meridian, in uh, Butte, Mississippi. It was born in 1942. My dad was born in 1945 in Louisiana and moved to Mississippi in the early 70s. And so to be someone born in the 70s in Mississippi, I grew up really fast when it came to uh, my experience with racism and 
Um, when you think about Mega Evers and Emmett Till and everything that happened not far from where I was born, I, my learning curve was quick. You throw on top of that, you guys don't know my mom, but she's very, very light skinned to the point of people thinking she is white. And my dad is very, very, very dark skinned. And so I grew up most of my life, people thinking that they were an interracial couple in Mississippi. Okay, so we heard a lot of things in the grocery store. I can remember um, us driving on the highway to visit my grandmother. And at the time, my brother and I in the back seat in elementary school, not really processing what is going on, but knowing that my mom and dad are tense and knowing that there's something happening that they're not speaking on and we don't know what it is. And then as I get older, I find out that two 18 wheelers had trapped them. One was in the front and one was in the back. And the one in the back kept ramming into my dad, like not physically, but like really like riding him. And then when he would try to pass, the 18 wheeler in the front wouldn't let him pass. And so they had him sandwiched and just, they were harassing them on the highway because they thought my mom was white and my dad was black. Um, I can remember being the flower girl for the first interracial marriage in, in Meridian and not understanding it, but at the time, because I'm small, but also I, as I got older, I play back my mom that day telling me, you don't understand what's going on right now, but this is a very big thing you're doing. And in the same breath telling me if anybody walks up to you on this day that you don't know, stay away from them because there were some death threats at that wedding. And you know, that's, I don't know. So she's trying to warn me and protect me without telling me, you know, but at a certain age, you just sit down at the table and there's some things you have to explain. So I say all that to say, I've seen a lot, I've witnessed a lot, and that doesn't make me an expert in racism, but it gives me experience. And my experiences have um, got me where I am today. And so you look at yesterday and um, you can't dream what you can't see, right? And so to be there and share that floor with Dawn, it, it gives assistant coaches, it gives other head coaches, it gives them a dream that they can now see. It gives our young ladies that, that we coach a dream that they can now see. When I was a high school player, the only black female head coach that came to my mind was C. Vivian Stringer. She was the only one I saw. And then when I played in the SEC, Bernadette Locke Maddox was the only black female coach at Kentucky at the time. She played, played at the University of Georgia, but she was the black you know, only black coach in the SEC. So to go from that to this year, having seven black females in one conference, that's amazing, you know? And for me growing up to think that two black females would be the head coach at Ole Miss and Mississippi State in my home state, I, I, I never dreamed that. So there's been a whole lot to celebrate and then we still have a long way to go. To get back to yesterday, um, when you walk across that and, 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 you know, listen, Kyra Ilsey could have been over on there on that sideline instead of me, you know, um, Nikki Caldwell could have been on that sideline instead of me. Yolette McPhee McEwen could have been on that sideline instead of me. Hell, Terry, Terry Williams at Auburn could have been at that, that sideline instead of me. Any of, of us could have been standing over there. And that's the thing you want to be able to put us in those positions because Don said it best yesterday. When you give us an opportunity, it, it's amazing what we can do. She had no coaching experience at all, had never coached until she got the job at Temple. Somebody took a chance on her. And just for me and her personally, obviously we're family. You know, I met Darius Taylor um, because he was a, a coach in the college game. And that was because of the opportunity that she gave him. So when we were dating and we were engaged, we spent a lot of time together, you know, me with the South Carolina staff. So I know them very well. Um, their family and to be able to um, have that moment and have it with her. She's a pioneer in terms of the SEC outside of, again, Bernadette, who was the first one. She, if she is not successful at South Carolina, none of us are in the seat that we're in. At the end of the day, ADs and presidents, they want to win. And when Don started winning at South Carolina, it made it okay for somebody else to go out and do it. So, you know, everybody won yesterday. It was a tough day at the office for us personally, obviously, but there were no losers yesterday. Everybody won. You know, we elevate each other. We uplift each other. So um, in terms of me being in the over there, that could have been anybody. I was just the one that it, it worked out in terms of timing, but I, it's a proud moment for everybody involved. I'd say, and one of the things that I love the most about that was sitting back and watching every one of those coaches that you just named cheering for you all the same way that you just said it could have been any of them standing there cheering you all on as if they were suited up 
for UGA or USC. You know, and that is one of the things that I love the most about you amazing strong women is that, yeah, the goal in mind is to be successful and to win these games, but the support is real. Yeah. And and that's one of the things Coach Yo, she's a servant leader as well. And that's one of the things that when she was on, she talks about, and I told her that I admire the most when I see that, that it, you are literally our band of a sisterhood and it is authentic and it is real. And then I think it's one of those things you are sharpening each other's iron and it's evident. There's no doubt. I mean, obviously we're competitive. You know, we were battling yesterday. We both want to win. But if if any of those women call me right now and they needed um, anything, a play, a phone number, an out of I mean, we just share because there's enough cake for everybody to eat. Right. And so we got to uplift each other and, and share knowledge and help each other grow. For sure. You know, my coaches and leaders, you know, I, I, I do tend to, to run away, but I'm not going to do that today. So we do have Coach Taylor here, and I'm going to open the floor. If this is your first time kind of being in this format, it's not formal. You literally just unmute yourself, and if you have a question or comment, let it rip. Coach Taylor, first off, I want to say congratulations on uh, everything that you've been able to accomplish this year. Um, been a fan of yours for a while. You know, I'm a sports fan, and I think uh, you have to practice what you preach. And I think one of the biggest problems we have as Blacks, both males and females, is we don't support each other enough. Um, you know, everybody's in a competition, and they put us in a competition, and we go with it, you know, whether it's jealousy, uh, whether it's envy, whether it's um, the desire to have somebody's position or whatever it is. So many things are against us already. We've all got to be together. And I think uh, when you look at what happened yesterday with you guys, there was no losers. Because at the end of the day, the reality of it is 20 years from now, nobody's going to care who won that game. But everybody's going to know the significance of that game. You know, one of my complaints has been um, for the longest um, is that we don't get enough of our history in our history books when we're young. And if you think about us being our age, we definitely didn't get it. But the tide is turning, you know. Um, right about a year ago, everything happened, you know, with the George Floyd situation. And people just wanted it to stop. People wanted to stop talking about it. People wanted us to go away. People were getting tired of seeing it on the Internet, tired of seeing it. And you think about this. Yesterday, you guys make history. Um, on a very, very high platform of playing together. And then last night, we sit there and we watch Oprah Winfrey doing the first interview as a Black woman with the Royals. But at the same time, a lot is still getting exposed, yeah. okay? We're carrying the torch. So I'm proud that I have a 12-year-old daughter and my daughter can look at all the women that you named in the ACC, I mean, in the SEC, and feel like they can accomplish whatever they want to accomplish. I have a 22-year-old that was running around the house last night talking about you guys, and she's never done anything athletic. She's like a mom. She's just kind of prissy or whatever. But it's the influence that comes with that, and you need people in powerful positions like that to do the things that you were able to do yesterday. And uh, I just want you to know the impact of that, you know. In our profession as males, we're talking about it. In our chat rooms as DB coaches, we're talking about it. As coordinators, we're talking about it. Everybody's talking about the respect uh, that came with seeing you ladies did what you did yesterday. And that is going to be something that nobody can ever take away. Little girls that are three, four, and five years of age now believe they can accomplish something because they saw you guys take that step. And it takes a level of strength to do that. And then just being on here today and hearing you know, you kind of express your faith and where you come from and your beliefs. That just makes me a bigger fan of you. So I salute you. I applaud you and just continue to do what you're doing. Thank you, Derek. I appreciate that. You know, one of the things that I challenge our young people to do is to learn their history because they don't know it. And that scares me for our future. You know, I don't know if I knew so much about Black history because growing up in Mississippi in the 70s and my dad is a history teacher on top of that. But, but it is not taught in school. And even what is written in the history books is not correct about black history and about us. And so um, my concern is that as we continue to grow and, and the generations that come after us, they don't understand the level of systemic racism. They don't understand how, you know, we have been pitted against each other um, 
um, and 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 that and it still lives where it's you know light skin versus dark skin, or even if you go back to the slave mentality of like a house slave versus a fuel slave, and and how that was separated by your skin color, and how that still lives today and is carried on, and so they they embedded that in us back then. And we've got to break that cycle. But the only way to do that is to understand your history and to read about it. So that's what I'm constantly challenging our young people with. Um, and anytime they say anything that they don't even understand is, is continuing to pit us against each other, I stop it and I correct it in the moment. And, I, and, I, and it may, it's a, it's a history lesson right on the spot because they don't even understand what they were doing. An example is planking. I remember back in 2010 planking was a big deal everybody was planking and putting it on social media and i said do y'all know where planking came from that's how they could that's how they got us on the slave ships they put us on planks and spread us out and so now here we are taking pictures of it and putting it on social media and i understand it's harmless but you have to understand your history to understand what the word planking really means and so i think that's what we've got to continue to do and then you know I remember Gabrielle Union giving a speech a couple of years ago about how she used to be a mean girl in Hollywood because it was only certain roles for black females and how she was a mean girl um, and how she changed and had a life shift. She got a life coach. It really challenged her on, you know, she called it the ugliness she carried in terms of how she treated other black females in Hollywood and actresses and to, to look at them and see how they now uplift each other and support each other. Um, we, we need to do the same thing and not only sports and women's basketball, but in life, like that we've got to uplift each other and, um, continue to, to help raise the bar and, and understand that and challenge, you know, like you said, we can't let something happen. And then after two months of, of protesting or talking about it, it die. We, we, we have a movement. It's not a moment, it's a movement and we've got to continue to challenge speak about it, no matter how dangerous it gets, no matter how much flack we get for it, we've got to continue because we have, you know, started some traction and we have seen some things change and we've got to keep continue to just um, push the needle in terms of what, what the expectation is for it, for what it should look like. Anybody else? Um, I could go. Um, thanks for taking the time out to speak to us, Coach Taylor. I really appreciate it. Um, I, my biggest thing is, um, as a young Black male uh, and as a coach as well, like what has been your biggest inspiration to date, um, especially within your coaching career, even just in, in general um, in life? Oh, um, what, what ultimately inspires me and motivates me is um, the people around me, like I said earlier, I, I heard my grandmother and how she prayed for me. My grandmother was a, a prayer. And um, I know I'm standing on her prayers and, her, and the blessings of her prayers and her favor. So what inspires me first is I don't ever want to disappoint. That's what drives me. That's what fuels me. That's what motivates me. I do not want to disappoint. Um, and so after that, then it becomes like the people who I know who have sacrificed for me. That's my inspiration. So my grandmother, my mom, my dad, you know, and then as I grow, it becomes like my husband who walked away from his job at South Carolina to support us in this new endeavor, my, our two kids now. So my inspiration has changed over time, but at its base, at its core, at its foundation, it is the people who have sacrificed for me to be able to be in the position that I'm in and who I know are praying for me and and pushing me. And that's what inspires me. Um, if I go to a holistic level, again, my roots are deep in Mississippi, Robin Roberts and Oprah Winfrey, man, they're from Mississippi. And, 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 and so again, you can't dream what you can't see. When I saw Oprah Winfrey do what she did, I knew that I could get out of Mississippi. When I saw Robin Roberts at ESPN and then on Good Morning America, I knew that the sky was the limit for me. So I looked at people who came from similar situations and who, you know, then had a platform to, in the space that they were in, do great things. I'm not, a, I'm not Oprah. I'm not Robin Roberts, but in the space, the basketball space that I'm in, seeing them be successful gave me the vision to know that I could do it too. And my mom and dad used to also always tell my brother and I, no dream is too big. And so they encouraged us in that way. So um, Michelle Obama is another one. You know, she grew up in the South side of Chicago. Everybody knows her story. But to, to see what she was able to do from where she came from, 
all we need is an opportunity and, and to take advantage of those moments and, and to walk into them and to own them when you have them. And you can't do that unless you're prepared. So I try to um, not disappoint. I try to work hard for the people who have prayed for me and sacrificed for me. And I try to be as prepared as possible so that when my moment comes, I can walk into it and be prepared and, and take advantage of it. I see you, Jonathan. Go ahead. <laughs> Coach Taylor, thank you for taking the time to uh, to just share with us today, and I, I definitely want, want to give you your flowers for you know everything that you've achieved and, and what your the work you're currently doing, and you know just as you continue to lead. So I just, I just want to give you those flowers um, there. And um, so my, my my question would be two prong. So it it would be how do you continue to develop yourself as a leader, also knowing that you're you know you're you're pouring out a lot. And the second piece would be what does self care look like for you? Yep. Two great questions. And they go hand in hand. Um, so I'm gonna talk about self-care first, if you don't mind, because uh, I feel like if you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of anybody else. So I have, I have non-negotiables. Okay. And they are, my time is my time and nobody can get that time. And I've also kind of protected myself because my time is 4am. So I don't know how many people want me at 4am, but <laughs> for me, self-care is working out. I, it is a great stress reliever for me. It is also when I have my best thoughts and I do my best thinking when I'm running on that treadmill or outside running, whatever that is, it is when I have the most clarity. Um, and so I've got to work out. Now for me, it happens at four o'clock in the morning because I just do better when I'm up early. So I wake up at four o'clock every day. I'm a four o'clock person. I wake up, I work out. Um, I have some time with God. I study, I meditate, I listen to gospel music. I have gotten to the point where I even listen to gospel music when I work out. So unless it's being played in a gym, I have no idea what's on the radio because I listen to gospel music all the time. And then in the car, I'm listening to gospel podcasts or something leadership wise. So I'm, I'm huge on whatever for me, the biggest thing is to figure out how you operate. And for me, whatever I see is what comes up. And so I've got to make sure I'm feeding myself the right thing. Um, and so I stay in the word in several different ways. Um, but that four to six, 37 o'clock time is my protected space and nobody can get that. Then it's, it's time to shower, wake up, I get the girls dressed and then my day starts. So the other part of self-care for me is taking a bubble bath. Once a week, I need to take a bubble bath and I, I close the door. I lock the door. Um, I take a bubble bath and I just relax. And for about an hour, I just sit in it. And it's my time to close my eyes and again, listen to um, a podcast, listen to some gospel music. Sometimes I take a book in there. Sometimes I take mindless reading in there. Sometimes I just need to have mindless reading, but that's my time to just soak and just listen to what it is my body is telling me. Those are my two huge self-care routines that I will not budge on for anybody. Um, and then in terms of how do I continue to grow my leadership? John Maxwell, huge. Um, I, I consider myself to have several life coaches, you know, not anybody that I, I pay, but people who are wiser, older, smarter, that I lean on very heavily to speak life into me and to help me um, from a coaching standpoint, from a leadership standpoint, from a Christian standpoint, as a wife, as a mother, um, and that can tell me hard truths, right? Um, other than Yesterday, last night, sending out a message thanking our fans and thanking our team. I have not been on social media. So I miss a lot of things that people say because I, I believe in keeping my head down and not reading too much about yourself. Um, so I know what works for me. And I think that's the biggest thing is to be alone enough to figure out what works for you. And then once you know what that is, sticking to it. And that has served me well. Um, one of the things God gave me was really good instinct. My gut is not wrong. Now, I have gone against my gut sometimes, and it's got me in trouble every time I've done it. And so I've learned from that, and I listen to what my gut tells me. In, you know, in life, on the basketball floor, God gave me really good instinct about some things. And when I feel it, I know what it is, and I go with it. And I have eliminated not listening to it even when it's something I don't want to do, right? Um, there's times that when my gut tells me something, it is not, Lord, I do not want to do that. Like I do not, I don't have time to do it. I don't want to do it. Um, 
but every time I haven't done it, it has gotten me in trouble or I have felt really bad about not doing it. So I listen to my gut because I know that's how God speaks to me. So I think the biggest thing, I didn't get married till I was 36 years old. So I lived by myself from the time I graduated college up until that point. And so I had a lot of time to figure out who I was and what worked for me. So that when I did step into the season of being a head coach and being a wife and all that happened around the same time, I, I got engaged in 2014. I got the job in April of 2015. We got married in August 2015. We had our first child in 2016, our second child in 2019. I mean, this has been whew, a whirlwind. He leaves South Carolina. And then two years later, he's an assistant coach with the Atlanta Dream. He's in a bubble all summer. Our life is nuts. And there's no way we don't do this without strong faith and knowing who we are and God. But I think for me, now looking back, knowing what God had planned for me, I stayed single for a reason. That was for me to know myself and to figure myself out. Because if you get on this type of stage where you are responsible for young people and growing them and coaching them and being a mentor, and you don't know who you are, you're damaging them. Forget about damaging yourself. You're damaging them. And so I'm just grateful that I did have all that time to myself. To, to know who I am, to know what my non-negotiables are, to know what my deal breakers are, to grow my faith um, and, and to know what works for me. And so that has served me well. Every year I, I try to, I go to Mike Neighbors. Mike Neighbors, the coach at Arkansas is a, a book geek. And he has a lot of really good books about leadership, about all types of things. And so I pick his brain about what he's reading. Um, so from a leadership standpoint, I'm constantly looking at basketball things from his standpoint. John Maxwell is always a really good leader for me. I've really gotten into the Enneagram over the last three years with Suzanne Stabile, and she's got a lot of podcasts on knowing your number. I think that's huge as well. I'm a three. And so I think it's been really helpful for our marriage, also to, for my husband to know he's married to a three, and a three is a workaholic. And I am. But he knew that before he married me. I knew it. I didn't know what, I didn't know what label to put on it. I didn't know I was a three. I didn't know how to describe it. I just knew I was a workaholic. And so um, it has helped us a lot to, for him to be able to understand how I'm wired and how I work. And so for us to also have non-negotiables when it comes to our marriage and our time and our space. So he gets that for me and then he lets me go. Perfect example. And I don't think he'd mind me sharing it. We, 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 first of all, we're blessed that at the university of Georgia, they allow to, they allow my family to travel. Um, so every year my, my kids come on every trip, my husband comes on every trip and, and either my parents or his parents are considered caregivers. And so whichever one of them is in town at the moment living with us, they come on the trip too. So I've been very fortunate not to have mommy guilt because they travel. Well, in the season of COVID, we made the decision for them not to travel. The vaccine wasn't out when the season started just for health and safety. They did not travel. Um, and so I was on the road by myself and that gave me some really good clarity that I needed as well. But, um, for the SEC tournament, they came to the, to the, for that, obviously for that trip. And they stayed in the hotel with us, but I was like, y'all got to get your own room. Like, I love you, <laughs> you know, but I, I, this is what we've been doing all year long and it has worked. And so they were with us this entire week in Greenville, but I, I stayed in my room by myself and they had their own room. Now I went to see them when I could, but you know, that's just, that's how I'm wired and he understands that and he knows that and he, and, and he supports it. So I think I've given you a long answer, but I grow my leadership by continuing to listen to podcasts and to um, take the next step and what that means for me. And also again, like just my non-negotiables, knowing what they are, not letting anybody tap into that time. And that sometimes means I have to give some hard no's, um, but it's, it, it works for me. So I think those two things are, are, are really important. Coach, I just got to chime and I've got to get to player meetings. I want to say thank you again. And just to pass one piece of advice for self-care, this is a wonderful group. Uh, what Chelsea does is amazing. Um, I joined last year with these um, people and it's a very, very unique family of like-minded people. So it's a getaway. It's a chance to be yourself. It's a chance to listen. It's a chance to talk. Uh, and I've just met some wonderful people that has helped to grow my network. So just to advise you on that, don't just exit today and not come back because you'll meet some phenomenal people. You'll meet some friends. I mean, I can take a look on the screen right now and look down at um, Coach Huff and Coach Huff has no idea, but just by knowing her and following her on social media, she's given me like two gift ideas in the past year 
uh, for my wife by watching her pictures every day. And they've been hits. I'm the guy that buys stuff all the time that my wife sends back and takes back. So anytime <laughs> my wife smiles and accepts something, I got to give gratitude. So thank you, Jessica, for that. <laughs> I love you, brother. <laughs> okay, you guys take care. Thank you. Bye, Coach. Thank you so much, man. <laughs> I think we got time for one more. Uh, if you guys have anything else from a coach before I uh, do my closeout question. Um, yeah, I could uh, go if you don't mind, Coach Chelsea. Not at all. Go ahead. Um, so like Coach uh, Taylor, as you mentioned, self-care, how did you practice that in the beginning? Like how was that? How was that whole structure? Like, was it more like, were you more disciplined in, ter in terms of doing self-care or did it take a process for you to really get that going? You know, it's something I've done for so long. Um, I've been taking bubble baths. So here it is about, I don't know, I'm going to say 12 years ago. I've been at Georgia for 10 years and this was, well, this was at Louisiana Tech. So that was 2007, 2008. I started taking a bubble bath once a week. I made it my new year's resolution that year that I was going to take a bath, a bubble bath once a week. And I've been doing it ever since. So that's how long I've been doing that. And then I've always been a huge workout person. Um, as an assistant coach, I didn't recognize it as a stress reliever. As a head coach, I definitely saw it for what it was. And then I tore my Achilles um, one year as a head coach. And I actually a month or two after I had JC. So year two, I tore my Achilles and I could not work out. And I was off. And I don't think if you didn't know me well, you didn't know it, but I was just in my thinking, I was a step slow in my clarity. I was a step slow. And I think it, I fully believe it's because I wasn't able to have that routine. And so I've been without it to know what it does for me. Um, again, I think it's just being tuned in to um, trial and error and figuring it out and taking note. I'm a journaler. So I, I, I journal a lot of things. I have a prayer journal. I have a coaching journal. I have a practice journal. I have two journals for my kids. They each have a journal. So I'm able to go back and timestamp a lot of things through that process to know, you know, what worked, what didn't work and, and how to stick to those things. And so that has all helped me in terms of figuring out what my self-care routine looks like and what works for me and what makes me feel good. Um, so I, it was just trial and error. And again, like when you live by yourself for that long, you're able to kind of sit and sit and figure it out. And that's what, that's what I was able to do. But both of those things, um, I've been doing for such a long time. You know, I'm, I'm a very routine person. If it's a restaurant that I'm familiar with, I'm going to order the same time I go in. That's just how I'm, who I am. Like Darius makes fun of me for it. Cause he's the opposite. I'm going to try this, this time and this, the next time. And and any, you name any restaurant, and I can tell you right now what I'm going to order off the menu. If it's a local chain restaurant, like I just, I'm very routine. I eat the same thing for breakfast every morning. I'm just, I'm very predictable in that way. And that's just how I, that's how I work and how I operate. So once I tinkered with some things and figured out what it was, it's kind of what I stick with. I love it. My mom's like, sounds familiar. That's how she is. If I'm somewhere I could order straight for so I don't blame you there. Listen, one of my best friend, my best friend, Angela Jones, we could go to McDonald's and she has to look at the menu. I'm like, how do you have to look at the menu at McDonald's? It's McDonald's. We've been eating there since we were three years old. Like, how do you not know what you want from McDonald's? It drives me crazy. And she's like, it drives me crazy that you eat the same thing every day. So, you know, different well, I mean, I different the same. I'm like, what are you waiting on? You <laughs> have, right? You know what they have. What are we doing? <laughs> I love it. I'm gonna slide one more in here. Uh, my girl, Coach Chris, she always, she, I always tell her it's like she does double dutch, and so I have to find that sweet spot. Coach Chris, are you there? I think you had one more for us before I close out. Yes. Um, first, uh, thanks for sharing, uh, Coach Taylor. Uh, so I'm speechless right now, and I wasn't gonna say anything, but like I'm like I have this connection, and I'm like this is this is uh familiar. And then I'm like, she's a Pisces, and I'm a Pisces. My birthday is next month or next uh, week. But uh, I just want to say uh, I'm a really big on the signs and, like, manifestation. And I've always, like, for three years, I'm just like, I'm going to get this, say it publicly. But I would drive myself crazy during the process because it would seem like I wasn't going to get it, not getting any sleep. And then the fact what you said with the circle makers, pray and then leave it alone and then thank them for it when you're doing that. And those words right there um, was just, 
it, it really hit me and I'm gonna try that. Uh, I think that worked for me, but uh, appreciate that. And then the second thing is with you and the sisterhood that you guys have, and also another leader on this call, I uh, just want you to let you know that you really are changing lives out here, especially me. Um, just looking at you and all the other ones is like, I could be a college coach. I could be at this level. And um, I've been working my way to it. And like, nothing's gonna stop, stop me just because representation matters. And I've never seen it until I've seen you and some other leaders. So just trying to break that cycle here in Cincinnati where I'm at, being a black woman, there's not a lot of us. I make the representation of, hey, you can come to me, let's help each other out. And it feels great. I love to do it with no strings attached. And it's honestly because I've seen you and some other leaders that look like me to be able to uh, really be comfortable doing that and step out on faith. So just wanna come on here and say thank you for what you do. Um, please continue to keep doing it and you are, uh, I'm really grateful for everything that you and everybody else does. Wow. I appreciate Now go get the circle maker. Number one, go get it, read the book. It'll change right. your life. It'll change your life. And then after you read the circle maker, read the follow-up all in all out. It's amazing. Happy early birthday. Happy early birthday. And then just thank you that, you know, I think for me, um, I just embracing who you want to be. I didn't know, again, my gut when I was younger, I, I didn't listen to it all the time, but I knew that um, God was pushing me towards something. And so I, you know, in college, I, I hid from it at times. And then finally, probably my junior year, I was like, you know what? Okay, I got it. Like I kept finding myself in those positions of speaking somewhere or being in front of the group or being in a leadership position. And I just, I said, if I'm going to be pushed in this way, I need to be prepared. So keep preparing yourself. And when that opportunity comes, assistant coach, head coach, whatever level that is, make sure you're prepared, make sure you're prepared. And, and you know what, you're going to be just fine. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. I love it. I'm so proud of her because it was a months back. She wouldn't speak. So that's why I had to let that one come through. <laughs> We're straight up proud of you, Coach Chris. We have uh, Dr. Layla McCall. I'll say this. She said, uh, as a UGA and former member uh, of the athletic staff, thank you for showing the girls around the world the reality of being a mother, daughter, sister, wife, and a head coach. Yeah. So, you know, again, representation definitely does matter. And truly, we appreciate what you do. You know, I have staple questions that I ask before I let the servant leader go. I call it pretty much that transition into actually becoming a servant leader, a part of the family. And so these last two questions, they kind of go hand in hand. And the first one is, you know, one of the things I do in the morning, I'm like you, I get up early, right? It doesn't matter. Maybe it was the teacher and me, uh, I get up before the alarm clock and life happens. And we know this to be true. It happens. And when it happens, it's so easy to forget the same guy that brought us through is the same guy that will take us through this current situation. And so one of the things that I do is I always say God is. Now, sometimes it's a mental tally, and sometimes I actually write it, right? And I'll say God is and leave a blank and then just take off and start writing what he is, what he's been, because it's so easy to forget. So if I were to ask you, Coach Joni Taylor, <laughs> is blank, what would you say is to you? So I have to say this, and then I'll give you, and it is a real answer. But this is what I, if you were to ask this question to our team and our program, if you were to say, if I were to ask Joni what God is, God is what? They're going to all say, God is her homie. Yes. God is my homie, right? <laughs> I I, I'm telling you, that is what I, because he has just shown up so much in my life. And I have now started saying things and manifesting things publicly. And then it happens. And when it happens, I say, God is my homie. I don't know what to tell you. God is my homie. And so God is my homie. And what that means is he is my best friend. He is ever present in my life. Um, he is my father. He is my comforter. Um, he is my provider. Um, he is my um, help in a time of trouble. He is grace and mercy. Come on. He is favor. Um, he's all those things for me. And I'm constantly thanking him for that and having conversations throughout the day, just little things, you know. Thank you, Lord, for your favor. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. You know, thank you for being a hedge of protection in the year of COVID. And so God is all those things, but God is my homie. 
He is my home. I love it. Like yeah. you remind me, and I'm glad that I thought of this because Coach P, uh, she she actually did a really nice response when uh we put up that you were coming on today, and she reminded me when she came on, uh, talk about her days at Duke and her book that she wrote, and she said, you know. Chelsea, I can say some things before I do, you know, God's a vibe. And I was like, (laughs) you remind me so much of her with that, that he is. And I love that because honestly, people feel that God is in this box and we have to make him to be this just pristine thing. And it's like, no, y'all, God was cool. Right. And we have a relationship with him. He truly is your homie. I tell people God is dope. Right. He is all those things. So I love that, you know, getting major shout outs from left and right I just want you to know that so just know that many people from all spans of life appreciate you coaches down here uh um, coach Erica Cromartie she's at Tallahassee she's at FAMU's high school developmental school she says she loves you she's appreciating you I'm trying to get all these in this is the servant leader podcast this is a question I ask all servant leaders before we truly swear them in servant leadership truly are two words that we see all the time right we see people use them in taglines and hashtags and all of these things. And that's great, right? But servant leadership, those are two words that are action words. As Coach Lovell Moten says from NCCU, he says, y'all, that's an action verb. I want y'all to know that servant leadership is an action verb. So if I'm on a mission to create the longest but truest definition of servant leadership from people of the likes of you. So if I were to ask you, Coach Joni Taylor, servant leadership, what is that to you? It's, it's serving, you know, if you want people to follow you and to follow your lead, then you have to serve them first, you know? Um, so for me, it is modeling the behavior that you want. And I think that represents who we are as a team and what we try to do in our program. But, you know, if I'm going to Starbucks, I'm going to bring everybody in the office Starbucks, whether they ask for it or not. I know what they want It's paying attention to the people around you and serving them in the areas that they need it in and then leading in that way. Um, so for me, it is it is giving. It is seeking to understand before being understood because you can't lead until you understand. Um, and then it's just always being willing to go above and beyond you know, what it is that, that, that needs to be done, but it truly comes from a give first or first mentality. I think it's amazing. And one of the things is, and, and it never fails. There is always something new that you all literally add to my chain. And y'all, I'm serious. This definition is getting long because I literally take everything you all say and I form it along this definition. Servant leadership is seeking to understand before being understood. That's amazing because honestly, you know what happens in reverse majority of the time. Yeah. Right. We want people to view our point, see our point, have it our way, right? Before we actually step back and try to understand. Coach Jayla Williams at Coastal Carolina, she said it best. She said, We want leaders and we tell people to be leaders, but who is going to explain to them and, as you said, model to them what being a leader truly is? Yeah. Powerful. Yeah. And coming from powerful women. I love it. My mom says a servant leader knows the way, shows the way, and goes the same way. Say it, mommy. (laughs) Now y'all know where I get it from. Coach, I thank you so much for your time, like, and just what you do, you know, it's just amazing watching you, but to be able to get in this place and hear one, like I said, these amazing positions that you all hold, but not being afraid to say, I know who positioned me here. I know who got me through. I know who made a way. And when we work to normalize coaches, athletes, and leaders of faith, it works so much easier when people like yourself stand here. We just saw you on the sidelines all season, these past years, doing things, making history. And you stand here humbly and say, God was the one that brought me through. And that's what the whole mission is. So I appreciate you so much just for being here today for what you do, for being a servant leader and just for simply serving and modeling and representing so that people can stand, like I said, on your shoulders and you so kindly yield them to us. So I appreciate you just for being here. I'm gonna give you a final chance to just say anything in closing that you wanna say, Uh, but we we really do appreciate you. Just thank you guys so much. Like it was so nice to see new faces and see familiar faces. Jessica, like so great to see you on here. I follow you on social media. So proud of you and all that you do. I miss seeing you, but for you to be able to still have an impact the way you have, you know, speaks volume. So 
glad to see you on here and I will be back if I'm invited back I definitely will be back Derek so I promise you guys won't just I won't disappear um and then just stay prayed up you know stay prayed up and be mindful of what it is you're listening to because for me what goes in comes out so I've got to make sure that especially in leadership positions um you are feeding yourself the right thing so that when you are in tense moments when you are in critical moments when you're in important moments the right thing is coming back up you know I remember a story a long time ago about um, a young boy he went to a camp and it was a Christian camp and he really didn't want to go but his parents sent him because his friends were all going and one of the things at the camp it was a challenge of who could memorize the most bible verses so just because he's a competitor he memorized all these bible verses and he won the competition then he strayed from God and just was, you know, out in the world. And in his late thirties had an accident that left him almost paralyzed. And in the hospital bed, after not picking up a Bible, going to church, doing anything, all those scriptures came back to him mm. and he prayed them all after all that time. So what you put in you is going to come up when you need it to come up and God's going to show up. And, you know, you got same thing and everything else. You got to do the work. You got to do the work. So, you know, just continue to do your spiritual work because we're all growing and evolving. That's amazing. And that's one thing about it. I tell people, you know, I tell people all the time, Alzheimer's is one of those illnesses uh, that truly do. I answered this question eons ago when it said, if I could change one thing, I said it would be Alzheimer's because you have these amazing doctors and lawyers and just professionals who lose everything. But one of the things you find that stays, that is the last to leave, are those scriptures, those Bible verses, and those songs and prayers that they pray. And so that's just what kind of hit me when you mentioned that story. And I think it's amazing what's in you will come out of you. So let's just make sure we sharpen our tools, y'all. You're getting thank yous from everywhere. So, you know, I hope you can see the chat, but you're getting thank yous for everywhere. Guys, before we exit, if you guys could just bow your head quickly. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you right now just for another day and another chance to serve and to get it right. We thank you, Lord God, because even if you don't do anything else, you've already done enough. Help us to continue to learn in you, Lord God. Help us to learn to praise you, Lord God, without even the first petition, Lord God. Strengthen us, Lord God, where we're weak, because as Coach Taylor says, Lord God, we can't serve, Lord God. We can't care for others if we don't care for ourselves. I ask a special prayer for Coach Taylor right now, Lord God, as she continues to lead and guide those young ladies, Lord God, but also those two young ladies of her own, Lord God. Give her the strength, the knowledge, the wisdom, and understanding that she needs, Lord God, as she approaches this tournament. I claim victory, Lord God, not just in this year, but in everything that she undertakes, Lord God. Bless the other coaches and servant leaders on this call and wherever this voice and your service, Lord God, reaches, Lord God. Help us to just continue to decrease as you increase, but most of all, Lord God, help us to continue to be a light so that those that know you can find you. In Jesus' name, we will always pray. Amen. Thank you guys so much for listening. Coach Taylor, thank you. You are now officially a part of the Servant Leader family. So you are welcome back anytime. And if you ever need anything, all you got to do is reach out. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next time.